welcome to TP Talks, PwC's Global Transfer Pricing Podcast Series. In today's episode, we will hear about the role of transfer pricing in the context of global trade. My name is Dana Hart, and joining me today, I have Isabel Verlinden, PwC's Global Transfer Pricing Leader based in Brussels. Also joining me are Jeff Yuan, PwC Partner and Leader for Transfer Pricing in China, William Marshall, a partner and trade attorney based in Hong Kong, and Pascal Janssens, PwC Belgium's indirect tax leader. Isabel, I'd like to go ahead and turn it over to you to get us started. Thanks, Dana. Hi, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here uh, on this podcast um, with a specific uh, group of people here because we're going to talk today about something that's uh, a bit peculiar as transfer pricing practitioners because we're going to look at the interface between tax and trade policy and what sort of issues this might pose for countries, for multinationals, and for any other uh, stakeholder. And this is where our kind of provocative title comes from, our taxes speed bumps, our uh, catalysts on the international global uh, trade highway. And we see a number of initiatives worldwide, um, like U.S. tax reform. We see some, um, let's call it pretty aggressive uh, state aid uh, attacks uh, from the European Commission. We see a European Commission proposal on taxation of digital um, transactions. Uh, We see a number of initiatives that might come across as pretty protectionist. And uh, as tax practitioners, um, we fear that there are a few of these uh, developments that may end up in um, a situation where we face multi-layered taxes. And the question is whether uh, this can't harm uh, investments and, at the end of the day, also economic growth. If we look, for instance, at the European um, Digital Service Tax, which is still not off the table, but which will be, um, again, uh, discussed uh, within the EU on digital transactions. If we look at, for instance, foreign-derived intangible income, the result of U.S. tax reform, the question is, aren't these important upcoming potential trade tax disputes? And how do we deal with this uh, as advisors and um, as taxpayers to mitigate risks, but also to uh, tap from opportunities that this might um, generate. So with this, I would like to hand over to Jeff for some perspectives, particularly perspectives um, in the context of uh, China-US. Jeff, over to you. Thanks, Isabel. Um, As we all know, much of these trade disputes between China and US are already creating the volatility in companies' financial performance. Hopefully, with focus of the two administrations' efforts coming to agreement, starting with the negotiation in Beijing, uh, we'll see some real positive impact on both sides of the ocean and also the entire global economy. But some of the key disputes reside with the current system China is running. So such a push is surely aiming to have some of the structural changes in China from business point of view. Before we're seeing positive impact for such changes or improvement for the business environment for the multinationals, we're going to see the slowdown, and we are seeing the slowdown of economy and also gloomier mood and market sentiment created by such trade disputes. But as China is already feeling the pain, it prompts the government to come up with a series of pro-business policy and regulation already, just from the tax aspect. Such efforts already range from more attractive individual income tax regulation 
to introducing more generous R&D credits for the company spending all the R&D activities. Also, we will be expecting to see more measurements from the government to promote more domestic consumption, inbound investments, as well as more trade alliances with more countries and regions. So hopefully that will bring more positive impact to the global economy. Um, I'd like to pass to Pascal and just let us know what you're seeing the situation from the other parts of the world. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, well, an experience that I would like to share uh, is basically not as such linked to a trade war, uh, but there is a big trade component in there, and that's, that's Brexit. What you've clearly saw in the last two years, because Brexit will happen end of March this year, is that quite some companies took a rather defensive and hesitant situation in a sense like, okay, this is going to happen, but it will probably not be that harsh as everybody's expecting. And, and whereas if companies then move into action where you see that the predominant focus is uh, in first instance on the indirect tax component, so what are the tariff disruptions that such a trade uh, war might bring, you immediately see that it goes way beyond. It's not only about tariffs, but it's also about lead times. It's about getting your products at the right time at destination. Think about pharmaceuticals, think about food and stuff of the like. And one of the immediate uh, consequences that we tend to see now is that companies start reassessing basically their value chain, their supply chain. Is this still the right way to operate in a changed economic environment? And that, I think, is where it comes uh, way broader than only indirect tax and that you have also things like transfer pricing kicking in. If you see that companies are shifting manufacturing from UK to mainland Europe and the other way around, start building up stocks, transferring IP, start charging royalties, then I think you're immediately in the intercompany uh, transaction sphere. And, and that, I think, is where the, the, the main item lies, that it shouldn't be seen from one single-sided aspect, but it goes very broad and has a significant tax impact. Thanks, Pascal. This is interesting. As a transfer pricing practitioner, I'm not that acquainted with uh, things like impact on tariffs, on lead times, because mm -hmm. you're touching on the, the business impact mm -hmm. of all this, how to get my products to market swiftly. Um, I heard Jeff talking about R&D credits, about stimulation of domestic consumption. These are all concepts that are uh, pretty novel or a bit uh, uncommon for transfer pricing practitioners to deal with. And I think this is a good moment to hand over to Will. Will our um, uh, trade uh, attorney based in Hong Kong, part of our um, trade attorney network on that topic. Will, maybe a few sound bites from your perspective would, would fit in nicely now. Sure, thanks very much. You know, so in this part of the world, we're seeing quite a lot of developments, uh, particularly around the U.S.-China trade dispute. Um, and this is accelerating trends that have been in place in China for many years now which is you know, the, the search for lower cost um, production, on, uh, particularly at the lower value add um, uh, sectors. And so uh, many of our clients are looking to either find alternative intermediate input sources or relocate their manufacturing entirely uh, to Southeast Asia and, and other jurisdictions outside of China. So not only does this 
bring them potentially outside of the scope of, of the U.S.-China trade dispute and the additional tariffs that come with that. Um, but it also it triggers a number of corporate structural um, issues that are raised. So taking a look at uh, all of the related party transactions that are necessary to effectuate that migration um, and to you know really look at the potential migration of intellectual property uh, and related things. You know, in addition to that, um, our clients are looking for advice on um, possible customs valuation structures that may reduce the burden of the additional tariff measures in the U.S.-China trade dispute. So even if they're not in a position to relocate their manufacturing because, you know, maybe they have a particularly complex or high value add or, or a heavily invested manufacturing operation in China, they still want to, to seek alternatives to reduce those burdens. And so one of the obvious opportunities, depending on where the commercial markets are for our clients, is to look at first sale for export valuation into the U.S., for example, which may reduce the customs declared value and therefore the additional tariffs that are owed under the U.S.-China trade dispute. Um, and then, you know, further to that is really taking a sharp pencil to all of the intercompany transactions that are in place now for our clients. So, I mean, I think it's well to remember that many of these products that are subject to this trade dispute have never really had duties subject to them before or, or applied to them before. Um, and, and this is also true in the Brexit context. So to the extent that there are products being manufactured in the UK that may be sold around the world under the benefit of an EU trade agreement, you know, query whether or not th those benefits will carry forward, um, you know, after Brexit is finalized. And so a lot of our clients are really trying to take a look at um, more carefully what needs to be dutiable, what doesn't need to be dutiable with respect to their intercompany transactions. How are we defining intellectual property rights that are being granted under licenses? Um, how do we determine the quantum of those royalties associated with these intellectual property licenses? And really looking at the transfer pricing agreements to, with a fine-tooth comb to determine you know, what do we really need to pay, you know, duties and related indirect taxes on and what, you know, maybe is properly outside of that scope. You know, and again, most of our clients in these areas have never really had to deal with the burden or the discipline of, of these kinds of tariff measures before. So um, I think that it's causing a lot of, uh, you know, sort of broader operational and, and financial concerns for our clients. Thanks. Uh, well, um, I would like to get back to Jeff uh, on a few points because um, this is quite interesting as um, development in, in how we should address um, the global value chain, uh, to put it that way. Uh, we are just um, digesting or we just try to digest the OECD BEPS agenda, which was very much about how to increase the pie rather than redistribute the tax buy uh, over various countries. Now we feel that there is a tremendous opportunity to start from the business impact to look at how companies are unwinding, reassembling their uh, supply chains, um, what the direct aspects of that are, uh, what the indirect tax aspects are, not only from a trade tariff perspective, but also um, from a VAT perspective, uh, so to say. But um, if we look at this sort of value chain transformation opportunities that we have now, uh, I'm sure, Jeff, for uh, your region, there are some um, particular uh, matters of attention to look at, right? Absolutely, Isabel. I think it's a kind of a rude awakening for the transpricing officials we normally deal with in our region and understanding more profoundly about the company's measurement and movement is not 
purely based on tax, not purely based on income tax or profitability shifting as they would have expected all along. Certainly, there's so much more involved um, the business has to consider to make a decision with. Um, but, it, you know, just particularly for such a value chain changes we're talking about, and first of all, such a dispute is already creating a decrease of profit. Um, so for the companies uh, running under a limited risk profile, how do they stabilize their profit? Um, even for the company with a full-fledged nature and with the license arrangement, how do they deal with the royalty payments? Now the bottom line profit drops, um, that's obviously going to have a more pressure for the companies paying the royalty out. Um, now switch back to the, those supply chain changes, and obviously we see a lot is the company are considering moving out of China, so that created opportunities for the neighboring developing countries such as Vietnam, Thailand, uh, for the manufacturing activities inbound. But it, you know, just with that, and those companies ought to consider how to deal with the financial subsidies and incentives that are granted by the local government before and, and how to unwind these operations from China to the outside of China. And, but it, these are not just a negative impact, and we also should look at some of the opportunities. For example, you know, company ought to look at it, how to take advantage of those latest incentives that I was mentioning, and about potentially the relaxation of some of the regulations government tried to create. Um, and certainly, with the current uh, transfer pricing audit environment, we also see the opportunities for the company to close some of the historical dispute issues with the government as well as the government trying to promote more business-friendly environment. And, and the last, I also see the APA concluded more and then see more proactive attitudes from the competent authorities, at least from this part of the world. So um, with that, Will, do you, are you seeing any further challenges, opportunities other than what you just mentioned from your custom and trade area? Yeah, I think, um, uh, Jeff, adding on to, to some of the, the issues that you identified already is we, we are definitely seeing clients uh, in a position where they're already having to adjust transfer price as a result of, you know, sort of uh, performance that has not met their projections. And that has really caused, you know, not only obviously the, the transfer pricing adjustment concerns, but it's, it's caused a lot of the customs valuation concerns related to those adjustments. So the, the trade dispute is, you know, not only is it adding additional cost burdens with of the tariffs, but it's also a, a bit of a downward pressure on, on the, the sales and, and profitability projections. And so that's that's having a knock-on effect both for transfer pricing tax and and in the in the customs and trade space. So um, there are definitely a number of clients um, uh, who are in a position to have to face this problem already. Uh, we expect that to grow as, as time goes on through the year. Okay, super, uh, Will, that's um, very important. Maybe um, before uh, going to some concluding thoughts, uh, Pascal, what's your uh, key takeaway of all this? Well, uh, when looking at it and, and being actively involved with a number of clients, my definite takeaway would be anticipate rather sooner than later, do an impact assessment, and do that assessment as broad as possible. Uh, I am an indirect tax guy, but I would definitely recommend to take that broader than indirect tax only because it basically kicks into the operational aspects of the company itself. And therefore, I think a, a well-thought 
structuring or reconsideration of the value chain and supply chain is, is a key takeaway for me. Yeah, and um, I think it comes at a good time as well. Um, this is not something that uh, we thought might be um, uh, of interest only now. Um, I grabbed the occasion to refer to uh, comments made about a month ago um, at Georgetown um, University Law Center where Professor Hillman, specializing in trade law, was saying, if you look at the World Trade Organization, there are some uh, 500 uh, WTO disputes pending, only 40, 40 uh, of them are tax-related, uh, but we expect a surge in them. And this is the reason why I said in the introduction that things like European digital service tax, um, U.S. foreign-derived intellectual income uh, might give rise to a WTO disputes. Also, what Jeff was mentioning on R&D credits, it's not only in China, but also in the rest of the world, uh, the EU uh, has uh, put forward rules on the um, nexus uh, approach, making sure that um, you would have a state aid compliance sort of a royalty box. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're home free from a, a trade law perspective. So all these uh, elements are uh, making that it's a good time uh, to look at your value chain as a whole, particularly um, uh, towards relocation of things like production capacity. What does it mean from a transfer pricing strategy, but also from an indirect tax perspective? Uh, what about exit tax? Uh, when I do that, is there a sufficiently identifiable asset that I have been transferring across border? What about my custom strategies? What if I had, a, uh, for instance, a region-wide agreement on an exemption? Uh, does my relocation of uh, production capacity mean that uh, some products become dutable? So will some products become at risk? What about uh, high-tax products? Uh, is it a product? Is it a service? We should not um, forget that there are no rules on e-commerce in the uh, World Trade Organization yet. There is only a, a work plan. So in the meantime, there is a sort of a moratorium, uh, but countries are thinking of, of for instance, customs duties on e-commerce, uh, Indonesia just to mention one. So um, this is something that will um, uh, become more and more important. So we have to look at these elements. We have to look at um, IP strategies, intellectual property. What about licensing arrangements? What about royalty structures? Uh, are my royalties dutable if I make changes to that? And at the end of the day, and I would like to conclude with that, uh, it's a good time to look at your master file. It's more than just a compliance thing because the master file, in essence, uh, contains your thoughts about how the system profit is uh, ultimately divided over the various entities in your group. Um, so it's a good time to look at it uh, from a multi-angle perspective. And with that, I would like to thank you for um, having listened to our podcast, and I hand over to Dana for some concluding uh, thoughts. So back to you, Dana. Thank you, Isabel, Jeff, Will, and Pascal. And of course, thank you to everyone who listened to this podcast. If you would like further information about this topic, please contact the speakers. You can find their contact information in the description of this episode. Thank you.